Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And welcome everybody In the Booth. On a Monday, already having a big case of the Mondays. I can't believe it is 2 o'clock already. Happy Monday to you, wherever you may be, in and around Central New York or beyond. Those of you might be listening on those fancy apps and the interwebs. We uh, say hello to you and welcome aboard for the start of another week. A little bit of a shorter week. The team's been home for a while here, football-wise, so uh, less travel. And uh, we've been doing the shows right through on the Fridays. And that uh, will end this week as we have... No Friday show with the travel. I know uh, everybody's bummed. Polly will be in that uh, Polly Mobile driving to Winston Salem. That's about a ten, right? Yeah, ten hours nine ten. and a half if it's yeah. nighttime. Yep. So that's a ten, and then uh, Friday game the next week. No sense doing the show on a Friday. No you football can't. day, game day. Come on. <laughs> so uh, we'll shut it down here for the next couple, and then the week after that is screwy. And then the week after that is Thanksgiving. So. It's been nice knowing all of you folks, and uh, we'll we'll put in a good, solid four four days this week, and then we'll talk to you in uh, 2019. It gets crazy the next couple. Of weeks. Yeah, pretty nuts, pretty nuts. We got the. I'm really looking forward to that week before Thanksgiving. The basketball at the Garden, football at Yankee Stadium, all good stuff, and then uh, more basketball, and then off to Boston College on uh, the week of Thanksgiving. So, very good times ahead. With the Syracuse football and basketball teams ranked, it's the first time that sentence has been true in a minute. Going all the way back to 2001 is the last time the football team was ranked. And at six and two and unbeaten at home, they deserve it. I think this week we weren't really, you know, in previous weeks certainly they'd beaten Clemson. You probably would have been ranked. They beaten Pittsburgh. Yep, and weren't sure it was going to happen this time, but it was a bloodbath in the rest of the poll something like seven ranked teams lost to non-ranked teams. And so that rolled over the bottom third or quarter of the poll. And uh, that's where Syracuse pops in, 22 in the AP, 24 in the coaches' poll. Yeah, I thought I read uh, 9 of 11 of the bottom 25 Something like that, yeah. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Well, that's what happens this time of year when you're playing tough competition in your league and uh, you're going to lose. And... Uh, so a little roll over there, and we'll see if they can sustain it in order to stay in the poll. Going to have to win at Wake Forest this week. Wake is 4-4. Four and four. They blasted Louisville. Louisville is winless in the conference, and that's the next team that uh, comes into the Carrier Dome. And in texting and talking with fans and stuff since the game on Saturday night, it's awesome. Everybody should be super excited. They're being ranked is great. Program headed in the right direction, great. Bowl game, fantastic. But as a longtime observer of the team, in fact, longer than me, says, look, every team you play the rest of the way thinks they can beat you. And that's absolutely true. And Syracuse could win or lose individually any of these games the rest of the way. And uh, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of all of that. But they've lost to Wake the last two years. Wake put up 60 in the Dome last year. 
Matt Colburn, the outstanding running back for Wake, just ran for a thousand miles against Louisville on uh, Saturday. A team that uh, recruited him, but then pulled his scholarship offer late, and he was a little upset about it. So that's one. Uh, they also have Greg Dortch, an outstanding wide receiver. And this one is on the road, and road games are not gimmies. I don't care who you are. Then you got Louisville coming in, and Louisville might be O for the league at that point, but still got to play and win the game. And the idea of being 6-0 and at home, having a perfect dome schedule, is uh, super appealing. Uh, now's the time to start thinking about that Friday night, right? Everybody had fun. Saturday night in the dome, a primetime atmosphere. You could feel a little extra buzz in there on Saturday and uh, should be looking for that to continue in the one remaining dome game, which happens to be a Friday, November 9th. Lots going on on Saturday. That was awesome. How about John Sterling? What a thrill it must have been for him to get his picture taken with Jerry McNamara. I think that was, <laughs> that was a big deal. <laughs> and Jerry, too. Jerry, Jerry's a big Yankee fan. He he knows the whole deal with his Yankee Copanera. And um, we're going to have John on the uh, program this week. I didn't know he Just was because. going to be at the game, and I looked up, and oh. he was standing behind me. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. No, he was a so, guest of the boss. Yeah, no, I don't get told those things. Yeah. They want uh, me as far away yeah, as Yeah, far away from the knowing things <laughs> that could that create damage. Yeah. So, uh, and then John said he's going to be at the Notre Dame game right there at Yankee Stadium. We're going to be in his office. I hope, uh, hope we can treat it with the respect that it deserves, that Yankee press box. So, um, looking forward to all of that. So, on the week coming up here, we're going to, in no particular order, we'll have our usual uh, suspects, I think. Boy, things are going down, certainly with the Browns today, but with the Bucks as well. They were way down. Jameis Winston threw four picks. They rallied back to tie it, lost late. We've got the highlight of that coming up. But Cam Lynch looked to have him on in his usual uh, spot this week. Adam Terry to talk uh, Syracuse football. West Durham has the game on uh, Saturday at uh, Wake Forest, so good excuse to have him on hopefully later this week. And uh, the voice of the Yankees, John Sterling, who was a fan and a participant in the festivities uh, Saturday at the Dome, uh, all scheduled for the week. If you'd like to join us by phone, you can do that at any time, 315-437-7644-4ESPN44. In Coach Baber's regular Monday press conference today, I think the one thing that people were trying to get at, not only his reaction to you know reaching a milestone by getting his team ranked and everything, but now let's go back. We talked about the quarterback thing all of last week. Was it just a ruse, this whole, oh, we'll decide you know, right before game time who's going out? How did he come to do it, and how did he express that to Eric Dungey and Tommy DeVito? Those guys didn't know until the very last minute who was going to be the guy. And that's because we had to be fair about it. And they had to go through an entire week of not only uh, competition, but also they needed to be graded on the game. Their exams had to be graded. It was extremely thorough. It was extremely fair. So they do the quiz and the whole thing in black and white. I find that really hard to believe. I'm not calling Dino a fibber. I think that it was Dungy's position all along. I think the result here, the outcome, is exactly the way you would have drawn it up. Dungy felt the challenge of somebody coming out of the bullpen to win a game. Woke up. I think the the most telling comments, some of the most telling comments that we've heard the whole week from the North Carolina game through the NC State game 
were what Dino Babers said to us in the postgame. This offense is meant to be driven hard, like this car. Drive it hard. We're not going to, you know, as he says, it's not driving Miss Daisy. This is off-road. and Get out there and go. And so what did they do? Early in the game, they threw it deep. They made things happen in the passing game. Dungy connected on that long 82-yard hookup to Nikeem Johnson, and all good things came from that and from being aggressive at the start. Uh, there were back-to-back two-play drives. That was the only time the Orange trailed, but uh, they got back on the front foot and led the entire game and were able to put it away on a short Dante Strickland touchdown run late in the game. So uh, that's kind of the tone set by Syracuse football so far. This week, more of Coach Baber's thoughts as we continue. And you Red Sox fans are rejoicing. The Sox are world champions. Shouldn't come as a huge surprise to anybody. They were awesome throughout the year. You win 108 games out of 162 you're awfully good, and especially when they did it against quality competition. They were better than the Yankees in the regular season. They beat the Yankees and the Astros in the postseason. They beat a good Dodgers team with a pitching staff that you know maybe didn't live up to uh, what you'd expect over the course of the year, but uh, the Red Sox are fair and square the world champions, and that uh, makes a lot of people happy. A lot of people love the Red Sox here and elsewhere, and uh, certainly this being Yankee territory, uh, there'll be Red Sox fans jabbing it uh, into the Yankees fans this week, and Red Sox fans tend to come out of the woodwork. I think you'll all yeah. Whenever your team wins, any yeah, team wins the World Series, you get that obnoxious fans that come out of nowhere. Yeah, the Cub license plate frames and the yeah Red Sox for sure. Waiting for that day when the Padres fans come crawling right, out of right. the woodwork. I don't know how many we're gonna see when. Uh, I just, whenever that comes, I'll be happy for you though, Polly. I just got into a weird vortex. Imagine now that. that we're talking about uh, Dino Babers and a ranked team, this is his, the first time he's ever had a team in the polls. Yes. Yeah. But you think Bowling Green was ranked? Oh, I don't know. They went ten and three. Yeah. So you might have uh, you do a snuck in after. You, you got to win eleven or twelve to be ranked bowl. out of the MAC. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they've never been ranked. Nope. So congratulations, uh, Coach Babers. Yeah. Well, there you go. So he's <laughs> he's ranked, but his team is ranked. Men's basketball ranked. Women's basketball ranked. Men's soccer is ranked cross-country. So that's how it's all going right now uh, across the board. When we come back, we can certainly get into your phone calls. Want to walk through some of the uh, relevant sound from the weekend, uh, particularly yesterday. Look ahead to this Wake Forest matchup. And, uh, again, take your calls if you'd like at 315-437-7644. 437-7644. The guy I want to hear about, I'll tell you when we come back who I want to hear from most among our loyal callers. Maybe we can get a repeat. We'll do that when we return in the booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Sale again looks in. He's ready. Turns, kicks, fires. Swing and a miss. It is over. The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. And the celebration begins. Great job there by Book Shiambi on uh, the ESPN radio call, filling in for Dan Shulman. Dan got laryngitis, was worn out by that 18-inning game, and could not come back, which is a shame because Dan is great and would have uh, done a great job. And, and he's a gamer. I'm sure he made every effort. But uh, also, we didn't actually talk about this on the air last week, but uh, – there's been a recent game on this air that didn't sound very good because the uh, play-by-play announcer was sick, and I'm sure Dan didn't want that to happen, so we 
They uh, flew Bugshambi in, and uh, he nailed it on the uh, the final call. And congratulations to the Red Sox for the World Series win in five games. Uh, doing the play-by-play stuff with you and other people for the past 20 years, I've never heard a broadcaster go on the air sick. It's amazing how bad and distracting it is for the listener to hear. Yeah, that game was bad. The game, I don't want to throw the guy under the bus because he was was just doing his his best. No, but it was bad to the point. Like we all all have days where we don't have our best. It was bad to the point where they should have found somebody else. And you know, not really for me to say, but that's I was surprised that. It went down quite the way that one did, and that nobody cares or knows what we're talking about. So we'll <laughs> we'll move on. But in this case, uh, ESPN Radio brings in, uh, you know, goes from one pro to another, and and Boog Shambi is their regular number one radio guy over the course of the season. Anyway, does the Sunday night game, so uh, it was an easy plug and play for him, and he did a, a good solid job last night. Listened to quite a bit of it myself while in the car for a little while, and uh, that was his final call. The uh, big plays in the game came off the bat of the guy who got named, I think somewhat controversially in a little bit of a way, uh, the World Series MVP, and that's the well-traveled Steve Pierce. Kershaw fires. Swing and a high fly ball. That one drilled. Left center field. Way back there. God! Pierce has done it again! In the first inning of Game 5 in the Red Sox, have jumped out to a 2-0 lead. Wow. Two home runs last night for Pierce, right? And uh, three total in the series, but he took Kershaw deep there. And Steve Pierce, who's played for every American League East team, who was traded for a bag of donuts earlier this season, the Blue Jays paying most of his salary, is the World Series MVP. That's crazy. Yeah, they That's got baseball money season. for him. <laughs> yeah, it was... Amazing, right? A minor <laughs> leaguer got traded with money for a minor leaguer in... One of the best trades I've ever heard of. And he's a very versatile, valuable player, plays a lot of positions and uh, can hit. And he helps the uh, Red Sox win the World Series. They're a loaded team. A lot of the playoff teams are really good teams this year, but the Red Sox just loaded. I mean, unbelievable they, defensive outfield, bunch of great hitters. They didn't pitchers. get a lot of production out of the top of their lineup either in the no. World Series. So no. The, that, Was it Betts, right? That, yeah. Yeah, had really struggled. And then... Uh, The uh, the fact that David Price, you know, his comments afterwards, just stop it with it. You know, he's trying to give it back to the media like, oh, I've got the upper hand now. I hold all the cards. Yeah, it, it's just the fact that the media, of course, I guess Boston would be one of the cities that they do. Media actually does kind of skewer you if they have the opportunity, New York and Boston. But um, he has not been a strong postseason pitcher throughout most of his career. It clicked for him in this World Series. Good for him. I, I think you can make the argument that he was the World Series MVP, but uh, that's the way it goes. He gets that monkey off his back in a big way. He kind of threw it uh, into the media's face a little bit, and life goes on. Speaking of throwing into people's faces, <laughs> not that we often take that opportunity to do it, but I uh, was thinking over the weekend about one of our callers last week and Good for him, I guess. His name escapes me, but if you you know who you are, if you'd like to call back, he was a good gentleman, well spoken, good uh, personality and attitude. I want to say maybe Tim, maybe Season Dave. Holder. Yeah, I don't think it. There's Dave and Camillus is a regular call. It wasn't. I don't think it was him. But uh, 
if you're the guy that called and said, I will be disappointed when DeVito doesn't start, how about call back and let's let's revisit that conversation for a second? Um, because I didn't really understand the mentality in the first place, and I wonder if that disappointment was actually there this time around, and how long did it last? Were you still disappointed throughout the game when the four-year starter threw for 400 yards and accounted for four touchdowns and a win against a ranked team or not? What, was it the throwing deep that maybe satisfied people? And, and again, you have to understand, Dungey played a whole lot better in that game than he had in the, the previous couple. He had, I think what really happened, forget about who the actual quarterback was, is that Dungey, I think by his own admission, had been a little stuck in the mud, and things just clicked at a higher level in this game. They threw it deep, which was the difference when DeVito, DeVito went in trailing and they just started chucking it around. I think from a standpoint of, first of all, relying on the, his strengths and the plays that he's familiar with, but also with very little to lose. And at the start of the game against NC State, you got a whole lot to lose. You could lose the game by going about it the wrong way. But Dungey came out and had great uh, rapport right away. And the early touchdown to Johnson, 82 yards. He had a couple of really perfect deep balls, which that was the edge that DeVito had over him, right? And uh, and I think Dungey answered that right away. DeVito goes in for one series. That was not really a surprise that they would try to uh, throw one in there just to kind of mix it up and see what he had. But now I don't think you plan for DeVito time. There was no reason to bring DeVito back in the second half. I don't think you plan maybe one series just to see, but I don't think that there will be a big uh, urgency to get DeVito in the game at Wake Forest. Uh, but we'll see. You know, The good teams reinvent themselves week to week. The Patriots are the best example of that. Patriots and Bills tonight on Monday Night Football, by the way, for a little I, plug. I had that discussion with someone yesterday who said, uh, well, Dungy's going to play the whole rest of the season, and I don't think that's necessarily true. If he goes out and stinks again, he's going to get benched again, right? You know. Yeah, I would say it's up for grabs. That's the demonstration that's been made here is that Look, the best player is going to play, and yes, Dungy is higher than DeVito on the depth chart. Dungy deserves the benefit of the doubt. He's gotten that. Could he falter again, and could they go to the bullpen again? Absolutely. Uh, you know, My biggest contention a week ago at this time was they're not going to change the starting quarterback this week. Dungy has not lost his job this week because had they made the change going into NC State and DeVito started – I think that would have marked a turning of the guard. And they're not doing that right now. uh, Too much is happening that's good. They've just earned another game with the bowl uh, eligibility. So it's still DeVito's team, DeVito's time, or I'm sorry, Dungy's team and time. And, you know, DeVito will have his time. And DeVito still might have a role, you know, to play somewhere along the line here. It's just I don't think you're um, going out of your way to insert him as readily as you may have, uh, you know, may have been thinking a week ago or so at this time. So uh, interesting stuff there. If you'd like to chime in by phone, you can do that at 315-437-7644, 315-4ESPN44. It is a noon start on Saturday in Winston-Salem. So those of us that travel to the games will literally be be home, not Paulie because he drives, but the rest of us will be home from this Saturday road game earlier Oh, yeah. Than we were from a Saturday home game 
uh, this past week. So that uh, makes that interesting. And we'll talk about a Wake team that fired its defensive coordinator during the season, some four games in, and uh, has some uh, quality personnel that we can uh, touch on later in the week. Some guys that will pose some challenges to the Syracuse defense. One of the better running back wide receiver combos that uh, exists in the ACC is with Wake Forest. A couple other things to uh, run through in terms of Coach Baber's thoughts on, you know, really, again, we continue to be pressed on the quarterback's performance. And in the case of Dungey, this is Baber's alluding to what I had just mentioned, which is, you know, Dungey just ended up throwing the ball a great deal better in this game against NC State than he had in the previous couple. He was really on point. I mean, you saw him. There was even a, a ball that he threw. He threw a ball to Taj Harris. I want to say it was early in the game. He looked at his first receiver, no go. He looked at uh, Jamal Custis as his second read. And, you know, I thought maybe he could have took that read, but, you know, like a pitcher shaking off a shaking off the catcher, Mm-mm, he didn't want it. And then he drilled a BB to Taj Harris coming over on the other hash. And I mean, that is as close to NFL type stuff as it gets. So he was really locked in and really focused and it, uh, it really showed up in the throwing game. Certainly did. And throwing for 411 yards and Dungy passing Donovan McNeil on the total yardage list here at Syracuse, uh, significant accomplishments in that game. When Ryan Finley, as good as he is, throws for 400 yards and loses, you know uh, you've done something right to uh, be able to match shot for shot. And uh, at one point there in the start of the third quarter, each team scoring 75-yard touchdown drives, two apiece there, back and forth. So uh, good stuff in the Carrier Dome on Saturday night. Hope you were part of that uh, 40000 and change. And uh, you're going to need that against uh, Louisville in the one remaining Carrier Dome game that is Friday the 9th inside the Dome on the road this week. When we come back, we'll do Do We Care with some of the other notable storylines of the day as we roll along in the booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. Back in the booth. Excited to know that Giselle Bunchen is going to be in her halftime spot this week with Jim Gray. That's a do we care. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen to those interviews every week brought to you by a steakhouse that must pay a lot of money for that to happen. And there's TV quite the love fest like. between Jim Gray and Tom Brady. Why they feel the need to keep that going in a game where Brady is playing is beyond me, but the uh, sponsor will get their money's worth with uh, Giselle Bunchen. So uh, good for her. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No, wait. The other thing. Tedious. But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care anymore. Don't care no more. Four Jaguars players were arrested the night before the game in London as they attempted to leave the club without paying their bill. Their bill turned out to be $64,000. They were stopped by club security, which led to a physical altercation, and then uh, they, they got arrested by local pre- police and were held in jail for about nine hours before settling with the establishment on the tab. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm sure it's what teams fear when they go on trips like this, that guys are going to get loose when you, there's that much time there and 
this is why football coaches are creatures of habit. It's why they stay the places they stay. It's why they travel on the timelines they do. When you go to London, obviously you travel a little earlier to allow some body clock recovery time, and then uh, these guys got sideways. I just it just is mind blowing. I you know to go run up a huge tab. I mean, it wasn't like it was a couple hundred bucks, it's, and to leave without paying the bill. I mean, it's just it's completely ridiculous. And um, you know, at the NFL level, they have. You know, team security people, there's league security people. The league, I'm sure, is really embarrassed by this. The Jaguars in particular are the team in the league that's most embraced the London games. Uh, they basically have offered up a home game to make this happen on a regular basis. So uh, this is just brutal. Uh, Doug Marone must have gone berserk. I was surprised to hear that these players went out the night before, let alone spend $64,000. Uh, that part of it doesn't. That part of it alone, the fact that the the dollar figure or that it was the night before the game, I mean, that stuff happens, but that's sixteen grand a person. Well, not really. I mean, they could have been for many, many more people. There's people at the club, sure. and uh, yeah, they were the Bottle ones service bringing people in. <laughs> yeah, but if but if you it was those four, oh yeah, if there's and then the tip is nine grand, right? Yeah. Do you leave a tip after? Well, you try not, to if walk you, out? not if you're trying to dash on the the whole thing. The, the thing with the with the price tag, and this is not what this story is about. You hear those rookie dinners, you know, run that kind of tab, and I think that's ridiculous too. I, I don't begrudge these athletes the money they make. I just think when they're uh, that frivolous with it and rub it in the face of the average Joe by going out to these dinners, and it'd be one thing, hey, team camaraderie and bonding, we're going to have the rookie buy the offensive line steak dinner at a nice place, and that runs a few grand, great. But what they do is then they order clearly the most expensive stuff and, you know, three times what they need and they leave it there. That's uh, wasteful and embarrassing. Here's a question. You guys think it was more than the four. Couldn't they have walked out and said those guys are paying for it? You know, well, I'm sure they were in there. Hey, give us more of this and everything. You know, that they were just being big leaguers. But if there were more Jags in the party, wouldn't they have just said, hey, I don't know if it was more Jaguars, but more people at the club. There was definitely more people at the club. Yeah. And probably female and there probably were more Jags players there too yeah but I'm saying how did they pick these four to stop them without you know it was clear that they, I don't know yeah I mean I, I see what you're saying maybe it was just clear that those four were the ones rallying getting this tab up and they were the four together that's but you're right it could, they could have easily just blamed their other teammates I guess <laughs> uh, the Buccaneers bench Jameis Winston in the third quarter after throwing his fourth interception of the game Ryan Fitzpatrick came into the game down 34-16 and led a comeback, tying the game at 34-all, but they lost on a last-second field goal. The snap by Clark Harris and the hole by Kevin Huber. A good snap to spot the ball is airborne, 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 and it is good! And the Bengals win 37-34. So, our friend Gene Deckerhoff on the call there. I was going to ask you, is this the end for Jameis Winston? But it actually just came out from uh, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport that Ryan Fitzpatrick will be starting next week. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. Do you think this is it for Fitzpatrick? Or, I mean, uh, Jameis Winston with the Buccaneers? Well, it could be, except the trade deadline is tomorrow, right? So they've got to move on that. And listening to the guys this morning and Golik and Wingo talking about it, he's got a pretty complicated contract deal here where they there's a way they could cut him loose, you know, just – for cause and for performance, they don't owe him anything. If he plays and he gets injured, and then his performance, you know, he's uh, 
not signable by the Bucks or another team because of his injury, then they owe something like $29 million. So that means that why would they play him if they have no intention of ever paying him that? They're not going to want to run the risk of him being injured. So Fitzpatrick is the guy for the foreseeable future. Winston, they have to decide whether he's got any future long-term there. He's probably had enough tries at it by now to have not gotten it, and they're probably facing a coaching change there before too long with the Bucks. So the next coach is going to, you know, you want the next coach saddled with, you've got to play Jameis Winston, or does that guy get to bring in somebody or, or start new? So uh, that one's not easy to, to go with, and we'll try to run that by Cam Lynch tomorrow, although I can kind of guess what he'll say. The issue is, I know Ryan Fitzpatrick has been good, but he's 36, 37 years old, so you can't rely on him to be your future. So you would have to trade up for a quarterback or sign a younger quarterback. You can't. You don't really have that quarterback in the waiting if you do get rid of Jameis Winston, which is, I guess, something they have to decide on. If Because they're not even going to be in a spot, really, where they'll be high up to draft the quarterback, I don't think. It's the Buccaneers. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I don't really care. <laughs> Whatever. Do we care? No. Just uh, no, we we'll figure out whoever the starting quarterback is. We'll we'll react. You know. Sure. Just wake me up when I they probably decided. won't react when they do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I just caught myself stopping. when I was going to say well, I'll react then. Well, I won't. I don't really care. Uh, Todd Gurley. He he pulled up at the end of the game yesterday against the Packers. They were up by two with about a minute and a half or so to go. Pulled up before he had a wide open touchdown. Went down to to let the clock keep running. But it had a lot of betting implications. It would have given the over, and it would have covered the Rams would have covered the spread in this game. So a lot of betters were upset about his decision to go down. Yeah, get over it. It would have hurt fantasy league. Yeah, too. Fan- and fantasy, sure. The betting I can almost side with more than fantasy. Hello, that's not real football. It's for money okay. though, too. I understand, but you you are knowingly going into something you cannot control. I understand it's for money. It's what people do who are not playing real football games. You are It's a fantasy? Right. You're putting down your money based on what's happening up there. That's the risk that you take that you can't control, and they're going to do what they're going to do. Todd Gurley's job is to win football games for the Los Angeles Rams. You can debate whether you love that play or not, but he made the play that cinched the game for the Rams. End of story. They don't get extra points for winning. It's not for him to care about the line. If you lost your bet because of that, that's your fault. That's why gambling is not a smart investment. That's why you're taking your risk and doing it. And for fantasy goobers, get over it. You're not a fantasy goober? No, but... This isn't the place to come for fantasy uh, fans. I, I, I don't get it. You don't play either? No. 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 I have fantasies, but they, and they might involve a girly, but it's not Todd girly. <laughs> <laughs> but... Just the whole thing. I mean, even if I were to play family, I played rotisserie baseball back in the day. I didn't hold it against a player for his performance. That's just, it's part of the deal. It's just so dumb. Anytime you hear this stuff about, oh, uh, my fantasy owners did this or did that, like the the whole premise of that Sunday morning programming when they're talking about who you should play on your team is kind of, I find it somewhat interesting, the Matthew Berry stuff. But anything like after the fact that, a player owed it to his fantasy team or his owners? Are you kidding me? Ridiculous. He's had a tu- he had a touchdown or two in this game anyway. So even if you have him fantasy, you shouldn't be complaining about his his performance. You're just getting greedy. 
No. And, you know, the thing that I found more interesting in that game was the Ty Montgomery kick return at the end, which also wasn't a smart strategy, especially when you have Aaron Rodgers on your team and you're trying to give him the ball. Now, he didn't try to fumble or anything like that, but I know you have something on that. Yeah, so they were down two, and we know we've seen Rodgers do it multiple times, get down the field, get in field goal range with a minute to go. But apparently Ty Montgomery was pulled from what turned out to be the last series for the Packers, and he was not happy about it, and he's the kick returner. So when he got when he was returning the kick, he was told to kneel the ball. But apparently teammates believe that he took the ball out of the end zone and returned it because he was still upset about his and, and didn't want to listen to his coaches who pulled him. Yeah, it's terrible if that's true. And, you know, another in the, the line lately of people being on their own program and just brutal. Uh, kickoff returns right now are hard to uh, to break or to get much of anything done. I don't know uh, who thinks they're going to run one back because it's pretty uncommon both in college and pro football. But it was definitely the wrong play in this case and for the wrong reason. All right, thank you, Tommy. No back with more to wrap the show when we return In the Booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth with Matt Park. In the booth on ESPN Radio, brought to you, I presume, by Bugs Be Gone. Anybody else, Polly? CH Insurance, stay on board still? Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Knew they wouldn't leave us in a couple of weeks. Thanks to everybody Deep at both of those fine establishments. Oh, yeah, big, good people. A lot They make, make it happen. They are in your corner over there at CH Insurance. Bugs be gone, they get stuff out of your corner, as I understand it. So, uh... We thank them for their support of the program. Tomorrow, Cam Lynch of the Bucks quarterback change for them again. <laughs> That'll be the second time we've addressed that with him. John Sterling, the longtime voice of the New York Yankees, coming off his appearance at the Carrier Dome for Saturday's game. Is he hooked on Syracuse football? We'll talk to him about that on tomorrow's show, and uh, hilarity will ensue the rest of the week. See you tomorrow, too, everybody. This has been In the Booth on ESPN Radio.